What do you know about your special gift? Your special gift, number four, fill this in with me, is a key, and I believe this is a key to your understanding of how you as an individual fit into the church body. of New Life Community Church. And I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust the Lord's going to bless you up one side and down the other as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. We're going to continue with the back half of a teaching that we began a week or so ago. I love this. I trust that you would be challenged by this. This particular topic is of real interest to me because it deals with the issue of the church. Now listen, it's reported back to me so often today, people have problems with the church. And I question some of that. Some I may understand in terms of how you define church. But I want you to know and understand this. Church is still important. Church is not just a good thing. It's a God thing. Terry didn't come up with it. Our denomination, our movement didn't come up with it. It was established by God for God, and we're going to try to help you understand that as we look at this really important passage in Ephesians chapter 4, which is the text passage for this particular teaching. Now, we're going to move on to another marginal passage that we'll be dealing with very shortly. It's found in 1 Corinthians. I want to read that in your hearing right now, and then we'll jump right back into part 2, and we'll continue on there. Listen with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Around verse number 18, the record puts it this way. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, see, I told you, just as He wanted them to be. Look at verse 24, the uh, latter part of the verse. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. Verse 27, so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Let me ask you, are you a part of the body of Christ, and are you concerned about the needs and concerns of the other members of the body of Christ? What a great question. We're going to look into that as we delve into this teaching. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each one that's turned on this telecast by whatever means whether it's live or they're listening later on by some means, I pray in Jesus' name that you would speak to hearts and we'll be careful to thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, before we move on into this, if you are watching on YouTube, if you'll look down in that corner, there's a little icon. It's the same icon that's right there. If you would look down on that and click on that and subscribe to our channel, it would be very helpful to us. And it will help us to get the Word of God out to others. So like and share. Uh, be encouraged to do that as you are in prayer with us here at New Life. God bless you. Hang on. I'll be back here in just a little while to wrap things up.
I opened with a statement last week. I'm going to repeat that statement now because it's foundational. And we're going to be unpacking it, but you're going to have to really pay attention to realize that that's what I'm doing. And it sounds something like this. Although many, many Persons, And that might involve some in this room, certainly, no doubt involves some listening by way of live stream. Although many persons may have spent many, many memorable moments in and around the organized church during their formative years or perhaps beyond their formative years, that alone doesn't ensure that such ones have an accurate and an adequate biblical view of that which constitutes the church, or that is to say, the body of Christ. With that, I am attempting to put this question before you. I'm going to attempt to ask and answer this today. It's simply this, what is the church? Wouldn't you love to do one of those man-on-the-street things where you take your little microphone and walk up to a Joe Average citizen, you know, Ridgeway Ricky or Ridgeway Rhonda, and say, hey, what is the church? You might be surprised what you would hear. I took you on a journey last week, and that journey began in Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 16 and verse 18. This, too, is foundational. If you have a red-letter edition, this is in red letters. What does that mean, church? Jesus is speaking. I don't know about you, but when I know that Jesus is speaking, I pay attention. That's important. Here's what he says, Matthew chapter 16, the middle to the latter part of verse 18. I will build my church. Nothing ambiguous about that, is it? What's that mean, Ethel? Ambiguous. There's nothing vague about that. There's nothing confusing about that. I will build my church. In the original language, it comes out sounding something like this when we transliterate it into English. I will build my or I will build the assembly. Everybody say assembly. I will build the assembly of Christian believers. Now, assembly is very, very important. Watch this Folks, you may choose to help Jesus build what he has purposed to build. Does that excite you? That excites me. When I think about Jesus Christ, the one that came, died, was buried, resurrected for me, and that I can be a part of what he said he was going to build, I get excited about it. I'm, I'm not faking it up here when I tell you I get excited about these things. In fact, if, you, if I'd really let it go, you probably wouldn't come back next week. This really stirs me. Now, personally, I say personally, I owe so much to the church. And I am eternally and will be eternally grateful for that which God has purposed to do through the church. The church means something to me. Does it mean something to you? It does. It means something to me. Now, be advised of this. And I'm summarizing just a little bit, but uh, it's kind of a new summary in some respects. But I want you to be advised that the church, the church is supernatural. I asked about a 10-year-old boy last night if he knew what supernatural meant. And he come back with a pretty good response, to be honest with you. But it means it's above nature. It's above who we are. The church is supernatural. Watch this. It is not man-made. 
It is not homemade, but it's heaven made. That too is important. It's very important. It is not a building, nor merely an organization. However, the church is orderly. And we're purposing and commanded to be that way. It's not an organization merely, but rather an organism. Truly, it is a body, a body. More about that in just a moment. Now, I I probably do not speak for everyone. I don't pretend to sometimes, but I'm very thankful that our fellowship, and I'm talking about New Life Community, Evangelical Friends Church, Incorporated LLC, Now, I'm talking about new life. Our fellowship, I'm very thankful that we have a place, that we have this building. Amen? You remember when we didn't have this building? Boy, I remember it very well when Pastor Terry lived out of a suitcase and a trailer for several years, and many of you helped unpack our facilities every Sunday morning. I'm very thankful to have this place where we can gather as the church. I'm headed to number one on your study notes. While it is true, the early New Testament believers did not have buildings per se. They did, however, effectively co-op, for a lack of a better way of saying, they co-opted certain homes and other such public edifices for their very important, watch this, coming together or their gatherings. Pastor Terry, you better have some Bible for that. Well, I believe I do. Go with me to Acts chapter 1, the book of Action, which is really a history of the New Testament church. And right off the get-go, chapter 1, verse 14, we read this. If I would encourage you to find that in your own Bible. Perhaps underline that if you underline or highlight things. If you don't have a Bible, it will magically appear on the screen. We do that just for you. Listen to this. Verse 14 of Acts 1. They all joined together. Audience participation time. How many of them joined together? What does all mean? You know, President Clinton might have been confused about stuff like that. I can't believe I said that. But you understand what all means, don't you? Say amen. Yeah. They all joined together constantly in prayer. Look at verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up. Pastor Peter, the preacher, stood up among the believers, and we're told a group numbering about 120. Now, watch this. That's a group about the size of what we have here this morning. It's a group about this size. It was not a small group of people. It was a relatively large gathering. Go over to chapter 2, not very far away, and it's just a couple of weeks later in terms of chronology, but to Acts chapter 2, verse 1, we're told, when the day of Pentecost Came. Some versions say when it was fully come. In other words, they'd been anticipating this. It was here, kind of like we are with Christmas right now. Aren't you anticipating that? Some of you have been anticipating it since the 4th of July. But uh, it was finally here when the day of Pentecost came. Look at this. They were, say it with me, church, all together in one place. Wow. Now listen. I could walk you through the book of action and I could highlight such instances time after time after time in the city and in the villages with both Jew and Gentile alike. Now, I want to caution you and stick with me right here. 
I want to caution you against buying into what I'm going to refer to as this self-serving attitude of many carnal believers. It sounds something like this. They boast, quote, you don't have to go to church to be a believer, end quote. Now watch, beloved. That is an ignorant statement. He said, as a death-like silence fell across the auditorium. Let me show you why. How in the world could I make a statement like that, and how could I preach that with such confidence? You can certainly be a part of the body of Christ without being in a man-made building like this building or in even an isolated group. However, and I'm headed to number two on your study notes. Hear me out on this. First of all, I want you to understand that we, the born again, the spirit filled, we are the church. In actuality, the ecclesia or ecclesia, as the original language teaches us. That much is true. We know that. As such, we are also part of the body that Jesus promised to build. Unfortunately, many who clamor, and that's the word I just kind of pulled out of thin air. You understand clamoring, clamor, 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 clamor. Many who are clamoring, I don't have to go to church to be a believer. Unfortunately, many of them have not been born again. They have not been spirit-filled. By the way, if you are not born again and spirit-filled, you are not a part of the church, or to say it another way, you're not a part of the church until you have been born again and spirit-filled. And I'm not offering that as a debate. I trust that you'll get a hold of the truth of that. Once that conversion transpires, your view of the body and your view of the gathering transforms. I believe that. Let me take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's a great passage. In verse 18, and we read this. Notice what it says. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body. Who arranged these parts? God has arranged the parts in the body. Do you think that's significant? That this is something that God did? He arranged the parts in the body, uh, the spiritual body. He's not talking about the physical body. You're like, yeah, I know my heart's up here, my gizzard's over here, and my foot's down. No, he's not talking about the physical body. The physical body is an illustration, but he's talking about the spiritual body or the ecclesia. The church, God arranged those parts. How many of those parts? Every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Wow. Look at verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 12. But, and I'm going to mention this again here in just a moment, God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be, look at this, no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Folks, I preached on this. In fact, that young man asked me last night, he said, hey, what's your favorite thing to preach on? And this outline was laying on my desk. I said, there it is. I love this passage, and I hope you'll understand why as we move along this morning. 
But I cannot think of a better, more comprehensive illustration than that which God has put forth here as the body. Watch this, church. Each of us, every last one of us, either does or we can carry around a little living illustration of the ecclesia. Later on today, when you forget what I was talking about, which pains me, you say, what was that preacher preaching about? What was he preaching about? Oh, yeah, I remember, the body. I have one of those. If you have a body, say amen. amen. If you have the one you want, say hallelujah. No, don't go there. <laughs> Understand all that. Consider this, those who might argue, we don't need to come together. We can or I can separate my body part from the others. It's okay for me. It's okay for us special people to do that. Consider this. It's not okay. It's not okay. Neither is it part of God's design for you to react that way. Now, let me ask you, number three is kind of a rhetorical study note, but let me ask you this. Why in the world would anyone, any thinking person, exempt themselves in any way from that which God designed and Jesus declared that he would build? I don't know about you, but I'm kind of SMH on that. Are you with me? Scratching my head. Sorry about that. All the 12 and under crowd got it. Let me call your attention back to verse 24. God has combined. The English Standard Version puts it this way. God has so composed. The original Greek word for that phrase, and indeed it is a phrase. The word is about this long, and it sounds like me, something to that effect. It's a compound word. Here's the definition. I want to read this for you, and I trust that this would really stick to your spirit this morning. Properly, what that means is to mix together, everybody say together, into a superior compound, a holistic blend, unified whole, where the parts work together synergistically. A synergy is a really cool word. As a pastor, I love this word. As a leader, a team leader, I love this word. Synergy can basically be distilled into this. I'm stretching this just a little bit. I'm taking poetic license. But synergy is basically we can do more together than we can as an individual. That just makes sense, doesn't it? Are you with me? Isn't it true there's no other area of human existence where people argue for opportunities to be isolated from other people except in this one area, church. As you look around the world, you see exactly the opposite of that and, and nearly, I'd say, 99.9% .9 of the other activities that we could be involved in as a human being. I shared with you last week, and I'm beginning to wrap up my summary and get into part two in earnest. Beloved, the beginning step in honoring God is honoring God's or respecting the body that God envisioned, which is the church. I trust that makes sense to you. I'm asking the question, what is the church? 
Let me embellish that a little bit. What is a common characteristic? What is a common calling of the uh, the uh, church, the ecclesia. According to verse 13, and you heard a little bit of this last week, verse 13 of our text passage, it is this. Uh, the, the, the church is all about unity. Unity. Look at it there, verse 13. The unity of the church is centered around its faith and knowledge of Christ. It's not just some generic unity about whatever somebody thinks. It's based on the faith and knowledge of Christ. This faith and knowledge spawns and sustains a level of maturity. The church's maturity or the church's growth, if you please, is measured against the standard. And the standard, again, is Jesus Christ. And that all comes full circle. But there's one more thing. This is the point. This is foundational. This is what I hope you'll take away from here with you today. One more outstanding and prominent detail, and it's found in verse 7 of our text passage, and the New Living Translation puts it this way. However, He, Jesus, has given each one of us a special gift. A special gift through the generosity of Christ, the special gift, the gift that keeps on giving. Let me ask you, what do you know about your special gift? What do you know about your special gift? Your special gift, number four, fill this in with me is a key, and I believe this is a key to your understanding of how you as an individual fit into the church body. You understand this, you'll begin to understand where you fit in and how you fit in. Beloved, the Bible teaches us this. Each of you, born again, spirit-filled persons, have a unique responsibility or a unique role in the church. That is determined, should be determined by your spiritual gifts. And we've danced around this this morning. I want to say it one, one more time. Your unique and responsible role has been determined by God, or at least it should be. We talked some last week about that should behoove us to spend some time seeking God. And we're going to give you an opportunity to do that even this morning. Listen, if you are born again, spirit-filled, God has assigned one of about 27 different spiritual gifts to work not only in you, but probably more important, and I would suggest to you in many respects it is more important, that that gift has been given to work through you for a specific purpose. You understand the difference between working in you and working through you? In you is very personal, isn't it? And that's where it starts. In order for it to work through you, it has to work in you. But things can work in us and we can stop them from working through us and it doesn't achieve its ultimate end. Are you with me? What is that specific purpose? I went to another verse 7 last week. It was found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in verse 7 tells us almost verbatim the same thing we get in verse 7 of Ephesians chapter 4. But we're informed that these gifts are given for the common good. In other words, for the good of others. So what? 
Love it. We're going to cut in right there. And I want to do so by calling your attention back to Ephesians chapter 4. Now listen, if you claim to be a member of the forever family of God, you would say, I've been saved, I've been born again, I've been spirit-filled then I want to encourage you to go to Ephesians chapter 4 and read through those first 16 verses until you really begin to get it that God has gifted you and try to know it. Don't try. Pray and understand what God's unique and special gifting is for you. It will revolutionize the way that you look at the church and the way that you look at the body of Christ and the way that you look at yourself as you are connected to the body of Christ will begin to realize that you as an individual, you're important to the church. You can make a contribution to the church, and that's what God has purposed for you. Now listen, if you haven't been born again, what do you mean by that, Pastor Terry? I mean you've never confessed your sins, admitted to God that you're a sinner. You've never repented of your sins. In other words, you're sorry enough to turn away from that lifestyle of sin. You haven't opened up your heart's door and invited Jesus to come in to take the sin away, to wash it away, and to take His rightful place on the throne room of your heart. And you haven't believed for yourself that that has transpired, then I want to encourage you to do so. Now, sometimes we flippantly refer to that as being saved. And I'm not sure that a lot of people even understand what that means. But Bible language is born again. And most of us can understand what it means to be born the first time, the physical birth as we come forth from our mother's womb. The second birth or being reborn or born again is very similar to that in that some things change on the inside. And we become a member not of just the human race, but of God's forever family. If you haven't prayed such a prayer and confessed and repented and, and asked Christ to come in to forgive you of your sins and to establish you as a part of His forever family, then I encourage you to do so right now. Father, I thank you for each one listening in. In particular, I thank you for those that may have turned us on by accident and perhaps they've never been born again. They've never connected with your family through the, the born again experience. May right now be the time where they do that as they say, Lord, I'm sorry that I have sinned against you. I repent of that. I do invite you, Jesus, to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you're going to do what you said you would do. Renew them from the inside out, I pray in Jesus' name. Hey, listen, if you've prayed that prayer, I trust that you sensed, and I'm not just talking about emotions or feelings, but I'm talking about an assurance. I trust you sensed in your spirit, man, that something has changed, something is different. You may not even, even totally, completely understand just what happened at this point, but I encourage you to follow through with that. Begin to read in the Bible. If you're new to the Bible, begin reading in, in the Gospel of John. John chapter 1 over in the New Testament. And begin to know and understand who Jesus is, what He means for you, and how He can and has changed your life and will continue to do so. Beloved, if you are not connected to a church fellowship, I want to remind you that New Life has a regular schedule of activities Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We also meet Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. And there's a lot of other times we would love to tell you about. There's some contact information on the screen. Go to our website if you would, and it'll give you all kind of valuable information. 
and uh, an insight and some contact information if you have other questions about some things that we have not answered in this brief time. Thanks for being with me. I am Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church. I trust you're going to have a great week. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is he coming back for you?